Society has many different definitions of what it means to be a man, most of which contradict one another. What if there was a man who redefined all of that? What if there's a book that details that definition in action and words? Jesus came so we may have life and have it to the full, not living our own defined way, but the way we were created to be. The Bible is God's holy word, showing and telling us what it looks like to truly live our purpose. So join us, Hunter Petty John and Richard Overman, two unqualified but called guys, as we seek how Jesus came to amend this issue and become true men of God, like Paul describes in 1 Timothy 6.11. Jesus came to amend the fall of men. Amen. Hey guys, welcome back to the first episode. Welcome back. Episode one. It's good Absolutely. to see you guys here. Exactly. This will definitely be better than def- definitely better than episode one of Star Wars, right? Oh man. Are you a Star Wars fan at all? Dude, I am. I am I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm not. Really? I'm gonna get berated for this oh, if anybody wow. who's who's gonna listen and watch it. I'm not. I mean, I, I, I'll watch it. I, I don't hate it. I watch it. I'm like, it's, it's a Are you a Trekkie? You know, no, but I like the newer ones a, a lot better, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, Chris Pine, Chris Pine yeah. is, is oh, just good. Fantastic. But no, I'm not, I'm not really. No, I'm not. Matrix? I'm a Matrix. I like the Matrix. Yeah. I'm like going to pick out of, out of that sci-fi realm. Matrix yeah. would be where I go. Oh, for sure. Yeah, man. So anyway, so I'm Richard Overman. And I'm Hunter Petty John. And we're here to talk about uh, men. Right. So, um, you know, really from a, a biblical standpoint of like, what does that look like in society? Um, you know, as you know, we talked about, there's a lot of things that get put on men, right? Yeah. Like from a boy to a teenager to, you know, a 20s, college age yeah. to a family to like work. Man, so many different like stereotypes and just uh, things get put on us. Sometimes we put them on ourselves, right? Yes. A lot of times, but society's kind of already written that script for us sometimes, and we feel like we just gotta follow along, right? Go, yeah. We don't want to go against the grain too much, or we'll get made fun of, right? We'll um, we'll have you know guilt and shame. We feel like we gotta just carry the world sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and a lot of times um, because of that, there's a lot of falling into. Uh, just different types of sin or, or different types of uh, um, even just pigeonholing who you are as a person, yeah. um, as a man, you know, um, if, if you really have a passion for uh, something in particular, but yet, um, you know, those, those expectations, those things that are said about us, um, the, the things that are said just in general in, in, within society about what a man is, yeah. it can really pigeonhole you and, and keep you from your own destiny, um, really. And, and uh, I think Paul, Paul did a really good job based on, um, this, this is our, the verse that we've kind of like based this podcast around, um, and that is uh, 1 Timothy 6.11. Um, he's, he's talking to Timothy, uh, writing to him saying, you know, a lot of the world is, are doing all these different things that are just, they're just sinful. They're against God, you know. Um, but... Uh, like he says, uh, but you, man of God, free, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And those are, um, it really stood out to me personally, um, just reading him say, you know, calling Timothy a man of God. And then, and then he follows it up with, well, this is what makes you a man of God, right? And, and a lot of those things are, are not what society even then, I think, um, 
was was like this is what a man is right um you know love endurance uh, uh gentleness i mean what what man yeah. uh sits there and goes oh to be a man i gotta be gentle yeah. um you know we're told we're we told to, to be being tough yeah, yeah, be tough yeah yeah rub dirt on it don't cry definitely, definitely. yeah no i think sure. i think it's so true man i think of uh you know when he puts in there he's like flee from it Right, I think of like what what we think of today. The word I think I think of, and I don't think it's a bad word in its own, but we always just say it's a process, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're giving ourselves um, kind of permission to like slowly ease out of our sin, slowly right. stop, you know, drinking, slowly stop watching pornography, slowly stop doing the things I'm doing. And he's like, no, like run, turn, and just sprint away from it because yeah. if not, it'll keep ensnaring you and pulling you back in. And you know, I think we know all that right. all too well, right? right. Like. For my life, so the name of the the podcast is Mend, right? Like that came uh, about a year and a half ago. God really put men on my heart. I'll tell you, most of my life, like I think it's a lot of my childhood growing up. But like I've had kids. Kids were always just kind of like where my heart was drawn to, right? Yeah. Just like wanting to minister to them, wanting to just like love them and just make sure they always had somebody, right? Because you don't always know what their home life's like, their school life, their friends. So just giving a space that they just feel safe, they feel loved. Um, and that will always be, man. Like yeah. we've talked about it, right? And like kids, like I want to have a family. I want to have kids. We're we're volunteering um, with a great organization, Fort Worth. That's that's to help foster kids, right? Uh, we've mm-hmm. talked about adopting. That'll always be a heart. But men really got put on my heart a year, a year and a half ago, and really it was just watching, you know, guys and how they kind of interacted with each other, right? At the gym, at, you know, out together at church, whatever that may be. Yeah. And it, when it first happened, I'm like. God, who really like guys? You want me to, you want me to like start ministering towards guys and telling yeah. them how to be, you know, or not, showing them how to be godly? How you've already told us, and he's like, you know, I was like, hey, you know my past, God, right? Like you're <laughs> well aware of some of the terrible decisions yeah. that I've made in my life, the some of the carnage that I've left in my past, and it's kind of like, really? And then obviously he starts showing in the Bible, and it's like, you know, yeah, these there's a lot of people who have some issues, yeah, man. like. Like, again, you're not, I'm not calling you because you're, you're qualified or you're some amazing guy that you've made all these great decisions and people are going to look up to you. It's not about you. It's about, about him, right? Like, so I've really realizing that over the last year and a half, it's really started ministering to me and going like, it's not about me, right? Like, it's not about what I have done, what I haven't done, the bad decisions, good choices. Like it's about, it's not, it's really about none of that. It's about really even what Paul said in there about, um, just being a man of God, not a man of Richard, not a man of Hunter, right? right. A man of God, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and all throughout the Bible, it's just peppered with people who, um, who just fall so short, you know, um, and yet they were called to do God's will. Yeah. Um, and that, that gives me a, a huge amount of, mm-hmm. of just a, kind of a boost, you know, of like, yeah, God can use me too, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, that, and that's why I love that we've, We've uh, decided to, to start doing this, yeah. um, you know, um, and and like yourself, mm-hmm. <laughs> I definitely have a pretty shady past. Um, I've I've done quite a few um, unspeakable things, I guess. Uh, a lot of things that I would try to keep in the dark. Yeah. Um, but in this, um, especially men, ministering to men. Uh, we're going to be as open and honest and transparent yeah. as possible. Have to be. Have to be, yes. And um, so that's why today we're going to go ahead and just jump right into sharing our testimony. 
giving you guys our stories, um, just being really open and honest um, about everything. And uh, so I'll go ahead and start if you're all right with that. Awesome, awesome. So I grew up in church. Um, the uh, the joke is is that I was going to church nine months before I was born. Right, my my parents were were constantly uh, committed to church, um, very much there every time the doors were open. Um, there, uh, even after I was born, and after my brother and sister were born, you know, every time the the doors were open, yeah. we were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, any sort of, you know, deal on on Saturdays or what other whichever other day that we that the doors were open, you know, we were we were just there, you know, and I was so thrilled and thankful that my parents um, raised me like that, you know. Yeah. Um, because it, it, it just really instilled this, this uh, need for being in community yeah. with, uh, with God's church, you know, um, with That's fellow awesome. believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and a lot of people hear that and they go, so you had a really good childhood. And I, I would say, yes, I did have a really good childhood. But there were also things that um, just kind of... I went through um, that a lot of other people just really didn't go through, and and a lot of that comes from being in church constantly, yeah. and and also being the oldest. Um, there was kind of this pressure, whether I put it on myself or my parents did, or my siblings did, or or just the church in general did. Um, but there's this pressure to just be the best that I could be, and and uh, you know live up to this this uh, expectation that like i'm going to lead the way and my siblings will follow right do you know what like exam. what age uh, like do you know about what age you really started feeling that or like just mentally go, thinking back like man around this age is really where i started taking on that responsibility yeah so i would say probably around like four or five years old oh, wow. about the like time that i was on. yeah about the time that i was getting into school um you know i was the first one off to school you know yeah. And so, like, I'm the big brother. I'm I'm doing new and great yeah. things, right? And and uh, it also it also came from the fact that like uh, my parents would have these big yelling matches mm-hmm. uh, between each other. And they would get into these these fights and these arguments, and and um, I kind of played peacemaker, mm-hmm. right? Whether it be that I got in between mom and dad sometimes, wow. which was just not was not the place that I needed to be. Um, but most of the time it was, it was more along the lines of make sure that my brother's okay. Make sure my sister's okay. That like they, they're distracted. Um, you know, we, we, we had some gaming systems sometimes and, or we would, you know, go and play with, with dolls and stuffed animals or whatever. And it, and it just, I was, I was there to, to just kind of be the example and just be okay. Um, but you know, there wasn't really anybody there for me to do that. Um, to, to keep me okay with those things. Um, but also growing up, just the expectation of, of um, you know, make sure that my brother and sister, you know, get on and off of the bus at the right places and, you know, different things like that. And so that just kind of drove me forward. Um, and unfortunately, um, because I never, like, dealt with that at all in, in really a healthy manner, I just continued 
to to feel like there's expectations that I needed to be the best that I could be. And it turned into expectations to be um, the best for my siblings. And it turned into, I got to look good, right? Wow. And so I, I going into church and going into school and going into baseball and all these different areas, I just needed to look good. And now that, that then became one of my top priorities was to look good yeah. and, and do good and all this. And so I, you know, started wearing masks. I started, I started acting certain ways so that, so that other people around me would see the, the me, the hunter that they wanted to see, at least what I thought they yeah, wanted to like see. A million kind of just changing, change colors, change those masks in every different area you go. Into. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. You know, um, it, in, uh, in baseball, I was talking and acting the way that uh, my teammates wanted me to. You know, that was cool. Yeah. Uh, at school, it was something completely different. At home, it was something completely different. And the weird thing about home is, is it was, I acted one way around my parents and then I acted another way around my siblings yeah. even. Yeah. Um, and then of course at church, right? And church was one of those places because I was going there from, from the very start. Um, I desperately wanted to be liked and to be... Um, somebody who was popular there at church yeah. because I had spent so much time there and I had so much head knowledge. I, I knew so much. Yeah. And so I just needed to know all the right answers. Mm-hmm. And, and I wanted to, to, I was eager to be the first one to give those answer, answers, you know? Um, and that actually drove into, into youth group right there at church. Um, as soon as I got into youth group, I, I quickly became um, a leader. Mm. And the reason for that is because I had so much head knowledge. Yeah. And, and I manipulated that head knowledge into this, like, mm, I got it all together. And yeah. so, like, anybody who, who is a, a new believer, just, like, come to me and I'll teach you how to, right. you know. And, and it wasn't, it was, it was not a, you know... I care about you. I love you. I want to I want to help you through this. I want to help you get to a place of of understanding within our within being a Christian within our beliefs. It was I need to look good. And and man, I was middle school. That was around middle school or so, and I was wearing so many different masks. I I I would look at myself in the mirror and and literally go, I don't know who the heck I am. Wow. Yeah, that was, I was going to ask that question. Like, was this an intentional? Like, you knew you were changing that behavior in different spaces, or was it just like fluid? Like, at some point, it was just it just started happening, and you were just doing it. Or so it sounds like you kind of knew. Oh yeah. I mean, it was it was not it was not uh, a I know where I'm going with this, right. but I knew I knew that this is this is what I was doing yeah. uh, on purpose because I want to look good. And that's the only thing that mattered. And so, um, and it, and a lot of it started with habitual lying. You know, my life was pretty boring, honestly, in my own, um, my own eyes, I thought it was pretty boring. And so I would start making up these, these extravagant things about my life to gain attention from other people. Um, and, and once you start lying, you just have to keep on lying to keep up with 
the original line. Previous lies. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. No, and, and so um, around this time, though, I started down a really deadly path, um, something that, was, that has stayed with me, mm-hmm. uh, something that, that I have struggled with for 25 plus years now, um, and that is, that is uh, addiction, mm-hmm. um, and specifically sex addiction. And uh, it, it, I was in this mindset of, you know, I would feel depressed or, or anxious or all these different things that, like, about me. Yeah. Me, 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 right? And, and all of a sudden, I needed a way to cope, an outlet. And um, growing up in church, I knew what was right and wrong, right? I told you I, I had all that head knowledge, right? But, um, but I didn't have a healthy way to cope with all these different things going on in my life and the, this desire to be um, unique, mm-hmm. this desire to be uh, popular and liked and, and to be a, a leader for my own sake. Um, and so I had this, this mindset of a line in the sand type of, type of mindset. And, and I, would, I would sit there and I'd draw a line in the sand and I'd go, okay, I can go up to this, this point but I'm not going to cross it. Yeah. And, and it's, it started off with, you know, grabbing mom's Victoria's Secret magazines or, or, you know, fashion magazines. And, and, and then after a while, um, after a couple months, that wasn't enough. And so it's easy to walk over a line in the sand as opposed to what I wish I would have done from the very beginning, even before the magazines was put up a wall. Yeah. You know, because then you got to climb over that wall, and it's not very, it's not very easy to do yeah. that. And you have many different chances to turn back away from that at that point. But but with a line in the sand, you just step in over, and you just create this new line, and you go, okay, I'll do this, but I won't cross this line. And then eventually, it was just one thing after another after another. You know, the magazines weren't enough, so then I was getting on uh, dial-up internet. Some of y'all. Some of y'all know what that is, yeah. not many. Uh, noise is going through everyone's head. You know when <laughs> right. you say dial up, right. the noise, Yeah, we're did not you, gonna do it. But. Did you ever Did you ever like get on the phone whenever somebody was on dial up and, and you just like put it straight up to your ear and it just, man, busted eardrums, yeah, you know? Wasn't good, no, it wasn't good. So I was, I was getting on dial up internet and looking up, um, you know, bikini models or, um, and it, and it eventually got to topless pictures and nude pictures and then, um, you know, videos, uh, porn videos. And, and I would say that I was looking at porn the whole time because of where my mind was and what I was doing with it. Um, so what age, um, did this start and then what period of time did it go from the Victoria's Secret magazines to now watching basically full-fledged pornography, right? Yeah. What did that um, look like? So it started around 11 okay. or so, um, like right there around puberty. I actually, I actually started puberty well before anybody else my age did. Yeah. Uh, I've always apparently been an early bloomer. Um, I had... You just wanted, you, you wanted to be a leader so bad. I really did. Yeah. That, that, that my, my anatomy just started to catch up with me, I guess. Um, but yeah, around 11... Um, I, I was looking at those magazines and, and, um, because of the fact that I was in church, 
I feel like this kind of slowed me down at least yeah. a little bit of the progression and mm-hmm. in, in the way that it went um, because it wasn't until like uh, close to the end of middle school, uh, early high school before I was watching pornography yeah. and like videos and, 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 and masturbating. Um, and so, you know, there was just that, that, that work up to, to that point. Um, and unfortunately there were many times where I lied to my parents and stayed homesick from school so that I could watch hours of, of porn or I could, you know, scroll through tons of pictures online or, um, back in the day, uh, AOL AIM, right? The instant messenger. Yeah. I was using that and talking to all sorts chat of, rooms. yeah, mm-hmm. chat rooms, talking to all sorts of, yeah. all sorts of girls and all of that. And, and, you know, as time, time went along, uh, I was doing different things. Uh, once social media started to come in, into play, I was using that to try to hook up with, with different girls and, and, uh, just, it was just a, a terrible, deadly path that I was down and 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 unfortunately I needed more and I needed more and I needed more and and what what was controlling my life and driving my life was this addiction and and um, one thing that I am really uh, excited to talk about um, in our podcast to come is shame because shame was the fuel behind my addiction Uh, I would act out and immediately feel shame and then that shame would then transfer into depression anxiety boredom sometimes even happiness i felt this urge to to go into acting out and then as soon as i was as soon as the pinnacle of acting out happened bam shame and uh so at this point I was in high school, especially. It was just really deep into into addiction, and there was so much secrecy, so much shame. Um, it was just it just ruled my life. I came close to losing jobs. I uh, my first year of college, I flunked every single class that I was in because I would wake up, watch porn, and go, okay, well I'll go to the next class, and then I'd continue to watch porn. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll go to the next class. And then I would get online and, and chat with, with different people. And I'd be like, oh, I'll go to the next class. And, and I just didn't show up to class anymore. Yeah. And I failed all of my classes. Wow. And um, so that just continued to, to, to move me forward. I, I felt like as I got out on my own, I felt like I was kind of controlling it. But I was still wearing all these masks. Yeah. Nobody knew who Hunter was, right? And... So uh, fast forward to like 2012 or so, and I had been in a relationship uh, for about four years. Um, I was engaged. I was living with this woman. Uh, I felt like I loved her. Uh, I was faithful, right? Um, but even, even just looking at porn, even masturbating, even doing those different things, I was unfaithful. And uh, so around that time, my parents, um, as, we're, as we're like getting ready for a wedding and everything, all, all, of, all that goes into that, you know about that, right? Just, just getting ready for all that. My parents help 
my then fiance, which thank you, mom and dad. Uh, yeah, definitely helped her get into a secret email um, that I had, which which I used to have an affair, to talk with um, these different women um, who I cheated on my fiance with. Mm-hmm. And the, all, the whole truth came out. And that was one of the first times that truth came out about me. And I wasn't able to lie my way out of it because I had gotten so good at lying and, and covering up things and making things okay. Yeah. And so around that time, uh, or at that time, uh, she gave me the ring back. I got kicked out of my apartment uh, and my parents graciously said, okay, you're our son. You can live here, but under one condition. And that is that you get help. Mm-hmm. And I was like, get help, what do you mean? Just no idea. Right. Like after even that, like them right. finding it, truth coming out still wasn't in your head of like, I, this is a problem. Yeah. No, I, I just, yeah. I thought that I had gotten caught and whoopsie daisy, right? Hopefully next time I won't get caught or hopefully, fingers crossed, I can hold out and not, not cheat. Because I, I didn't want to. Yeah. It wasn't something that I was just like, oh man, I want to get into a relationship and then cheat. Yeah. Um, so I was like, help for what? And they said, Hunter, you're a sex addict. And I was, I was like, uh, and that, that's not real. Yeah. You know, that's, that's for, that's for celebrities to like make up and, and, and say, you know, I can get away with, with the cheating and all this other stuff by saying, well, I'm addicted to sex. Yeah. You know, I wanted to do it, you know, I was in a situation, so I'll just go for a little bit and right. and then I'll go back to my normal way. Right. Um, and so I actually got drug uh, kicking and screaming basically, right, mm-hmm. into into a an outpatient program through the Meyer Clinic in, in Richardson. And I just want to say this, guys, if you or anyone else that you know struggles with addiction to poor uh, to pornography, to sex, you know, it is is if if you're looking at hours of porn, if you're you're masturbating multiple times a day, if you're uh, paying for sex, if if you're having one night stand after one night stand, you can't seem to hold down a a relationship. If if relationship has broken uh, up and broken apart because of infidelity, get help. It's the best thing, one of the best things that ever happened to me was going, going into this program. Um, it was called Pathway to Freedom uh, up in Richardson, Texas uh, through the Meyer Clinic. This guy, John Nord, he was, he's a uh, recovering addict himself. I think around that time, uh, he had about 15 years of sobriety. Wow. Uh, had been in recovery, I think, for about 20 years. And so, and, and that was almost 10 years ago. And uh, I, think, I think the last time that I looked at it, um, it's just called Freedom now. Okay. Um, but he's still doing it, uh, as far as I know. And, and I would suggest anybody, just give him a call. If you're around the DFW area and you're struggling, you know somebody that's struggling, give them a call, the Meyer Clinic. Um, it, was a, it was an eight-week intensive outpatient program. We went twice a, twice a week. It was me and this other guy. It was group therapy. And it dealt with the spiritual, mental, psychological, um, 
physical aspects of, of what sex addiction is and how to recover and how to move forward past that. And it was the hardest thing, one of the absolute hardest things I've ever done, but it was one of the best things that I've ever done. Um, and there was, there was about 16 hours or so of like classroom time, I guess, where we met and, and talked about things and learned. Um, and then there was about 10 hours a week of, of homework time, right? And me, I was living in Midlothian, driving up there to Richardson to do that. I was, I was working out in, in Arlington uh, full-time. I was also trying to go to church. I was trying to attend uh, meetings, anonymous meetings, like Sex Addiction, uh, uh, sex, sex Addicts Anonymous, um, also Celebrate Recovery, which is an amazing program. Yeah, and nothing but amazing things about Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's an incredible program. Um, but I, was, I, I did all of that, and again, it was the hardest thing I've ever done, but I am so glad that I went through that yeah. um, because it opened my eyes, and I can, I can no longer plead ignorance yeah. because I know yeah. that I'm a sex addict, uh, a recovering sex addict currently, and, and I, I attribute a lot of this to this program, but I, am, I just celebrated five years of sobriety. Yes, dude. Thank you. That's so amazing, Thank man. You. Thank I you. Love it. I have a question. Uh, what? So, so you went kicking and screaming, right? The program's eight weeks. At what point during this program did you? Did it really kind of click? Did you really that truth start coming into the light, and you really realize, like, wow, I really have a problem, and I really need to focus on this, and this, I, I can tell this is going to really maybe help me or, or be a big deal. When? What, what point in that program did that really kind of click for you? You know. It, it probably was, uh, uh, well, I know that a big portion of it, the, the step one, realized that I am not in control, yeah. right? That I am consumed by my addiction and that I can't, I, I, my life has become unmanageable. It, 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 was, it was probably the, the consultation before the program even started, oh, wow. talking to John. He, like I said, he's, he's a recovering addict himself. Yeah. And so he was able to just like, scrape past my bs right and he was able to like present it on a on a silver platter and be like see all this stuff that you're telling me and that you're telling your family and that you're even telling yourself it's all a bunch of bs yeah and 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 you do have a problem now it's time for you to admit it and i walked away from that going oh wow okay i do i do have a problem yeah and it still didn't. It still didn't make me go. Oh yes, I'm. I'm ready to jump right into this and get get better. Uh, I still thought to myself, well, I can do this with God, right? Like I'm a Christian. I've I I, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior at seven years old. Yeah. And I've been a Christian this whole time. And I believe that God can help me through this. I don't need someone else to. to oh man, I was so far from the truth. And. Um, so went through that and, and it finally, those probably the first couple of, of sessions, that wall started breaking down of like, okay, I do need this. And at that point I was able to accept it all and, and put my, my whole self into this. And, um, and again, I, I stumbled and fell a lot during those first uh, few months especially. 
um, even the first couple of years because yeah. I mean this was back in 2012 it's 2020 now so I've been in recovery for eight years yeah. right um, and and notice that sobriety wise it's been five years yeah. so there were a lot of stumbles and falls I I, I, um, I had relapses I had slips um, so to speak and um, so I got done with with the program and uh, shortly after that, I uh, got into a relationship um, with a coworker, which uh, my advice to everyone out there is that's not really a good idea. Uh, unless, it could work, but probably right, right. not ideal. Yeah, unless, unless you're maybe a, a minister at a church, maybe. I, I don't know. That, that still even seems a little... But, you know, God works in mysterious ways, he right? Yes, he does. Um, so I started dating this, this woman, and we were having a great time, you know. We bonded over the fact that we both had broken engagements. Uh, we had a lot of things in common. We enjoyed our time together. We had fun, right? Um, and, uh, but only a couple of months into this relationship, uh, we found out that she was pregnant. Wow. And uh, I'll tell you what, man. I, at first, it was it was a really scary thing. Yeah. It was it was very worrisome. I I was starting to freak out, and it was just like, I'm in my early twenties. She's not even twenty one yet, mm-hmm. um, and just fear set in. Oh yeah. Yeah. What am I gonna do? How many jobs do I need to work? Where are we gonna live? What are we gonna you know all this, um, and less than I would say less than a day later, God just really brought this peace. I didn't even ask for it, but God brought it. He brought this peace and this and this wisdom that was not of me whatsoever. And it was, hey, whether you're freaked out about it and, and worried about it, or you're happy and thrilled and, and, and like gracious, um, you're still gonna have a baby. And so I was like, oh, we might as well be happy then, yeah. right? Because I, I grew up knowing that I was gonna be a husband and, and a dad. Like the, those are the two things that I knew for sure, right? Um, what I was going to do f- with the rest of my life, I had no idea. Still have no idea. Um, <laughs> but those two things I, I knew as truth. And so I was like, you know what? I've always wanted a kid. So let's be happy. And, and at that point, we decided to be happy, right? We decided to turn around and be like, this is great. And... Um, and so just a few days probably before um, we were going to go and get uh, an ultrasound and yeah. eventually tell our, our family uh, about the, the, the good news, you know, that we had. Um, she came up to me at work and with, with just tears running down her face and I just knew immediately. Mm. Um, and she had had a miscarriage. Yeah. And uh, I sent her to the hospital stayed at work um and still to this day man that's that is the just the worst thing that's ever happened in my entire life and um we found out her going to the hospital found out that she was actually going to have twins wow and for some reason it doesn't make sense in my mind but in my heart and it just hurt even more yeah it just made things even worse and um and my parents 
just loved on us and said, hey, we open up our home. You guys can live here as long as you need. And we're going to love on you. We're going to take care of you. You guys just deal with this, yeah. you know. And um, I was already going to celebrate recovery and, and anonymous groups and, and going to church and all this. And I, I really was using that as, as an outlet to grieve. And even though at first we grew close to, together, um, going through the same experience, yeah. um, as I was saying things like, you know, why don't you, why don't you come with me to celebrate recovery? Why don't you talk about this? It was not the, the outlet of grief that she wanted to participate in. And so she then began to think that I was shaming her for the way that she wanted to. And, and resentment build up, built up, and she broke things off with me eventually. Yeah. And it was a very venomous breakup. Wow. Things were said, things were done that um, there's no reconciliation uh, that has happened. And that I have forgiven, and I have asked for forgiveness, um, but... There's not really, it, it's one of those deals where you just can't go back from that. Yeah. And, um, and the, the forgiveness came, came a lot later. But when this first happened, I was devastated because I had, I had grown attached to her through an experience that was the most painful thing that ever happened in my entire life. And to the, to the point of like, still to this day, Father's Day is a, really tough and rough day for me yeah um except for this last year i've pretty much stayed in bed on father's day and not done a single thing and um shortly like when when the breakup happened i started i i relapsed and i relapsed hard like i jumped head first into relapse and i knew better and i knew what i was doing and i was I was going out, getting blackout drunk every night, you know, um, after work and, and you know, taking, taking women home, going home with women, uh, have a one night stand after one night stand. I jumped head first into porn. Again, I was spending 10, 12 hours looking at porn. I was masturbating, you know, five or six times a day on average. I was just so deep into it. And, and one thing that I still remembered how to do from being deep in my addiction was lying and wearing masks. Oh yeah. And I started putting on masks and I was still going to celebrate recovery going, everything's great. I was still going to church. I was still meeting with my sponsor and going, man, I'm doing awesome. No one knew. And no one knew. Mm. And, and during that time, I, I did, I did the, the most regrettable and, and just worst thing that I've ever done in my entire life while deep into this relapse. And, and um, I'm not going to go into too much detail at all, yeah. uh, but it, it landed me in some legal trouble. And I was arrested, spent some time in jail, um, and eventually uh, took a plea to, to be on probation, which I am still currently on that probation. Um, and just by the way, guys, um, our full testimony, we're going to be writing out our full testimony and anybody who wants to read it, 
uh, it'll be even more transparent than this. Yeah. Right. Anybody who wants to read it, just comment. Uh, send email us. Yeah, send us yeah. an email. But it's it's important to be transparent, right? Like our one, it's it's important to give your story power, right? Yeah. Like um, that that we no longer have to live, and that doesn't define who we are, right? What happened to us? We it's real. We live through it. We we take care of the things we need to take care of, but it doesn't it doesn't have power on us, right? So right, and and so we'll we'll, we'll make that available to anybody who wants to read it. Yeah. Um, but you know. I hit rock bottom around this time. Um, rock bottom for me was um, waking up one one morning, not knowing how I landed in my sister's bedroom at my parents' house, um, half dressed. I had pissed myself. Uh, I looked terrible, um, and I looked at myself in the mirror and was just like, "What are you doing?" And God got a hold of me right then and there and, uh, and brought me to my knees. And, and I was just like, I'm done. And I, I confessed to, to my family. I confessed to my uh, sponsor um, all that I had done, you know, just falling deep into relapse um, and started my journey again um, as far as sobriety goes. Yeah. But I continued my journey of, of recovery. Um, that's, that's one thing that I, that I really learned is that you might start your number of days over after a relapse, but the, but the path of recovery, you don't start all the way over. You just pick back up where you were and you keep on learning and you keep on moving forward because you can't, you can't go back and relearn the things that you learned at the very beginning. Um, and so being on being on probation, um, I I was I was taken away um, from my my normal life, I guess. Yeah. Um, transplanted out here to Fort Worth. Um, I was all alone. Um, lots of isolation and loneliness um, for the first two or three years, and then by the grace of God, I was I was able to connect with and get involved with uh, City Life Church and. My goodness, the turnaround from there, uh, and it was all of God. It wasn't city life, yeah. but but city life was a conduit um, of God. How long ago? How long ago was that? Um, it was in September of 2018, okay. so uh, about a, a year and a year half, and a year and a half ago or so. Um, I have met my and I and I realized that this is my this is my family, this is my home. Uh, I met you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. uh, a I whole mean, other story. Yes. Of, of, yes. Of how we are now sitting here a year and a half later. Yeah, because we're even though our stories might sound similar, we're very different people. Sounds so different. <laughs> on on paper, it makes right. no sense. It makes absolutely no yeah. sense that we would be best friends, but yeah. we are. It's um, kind of like David and Jonathan, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. For sure. And uh, I don't know which one is which. Nah, though. I don't think we have to figure that out right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I met I met my girlfriend uh, Jasmine, the love of my life, who I'll be marrying soon. Um, uh, I don't I haven't put a ring on it yet, but we've already talked <laughs> about like, that. Do we stuff. Need to... Yeah, no, you haven't even told me this. We're gonna find <laughs> out in this. Okay, <laughs> no, um, but but just met met a lot of different people who have who have changed my life, uh, who have helped mold me into into where I am, and I thank God for City Life because. 
they have given me the opportunity after even knowing all of this yeah. plus more yeah. to be in leadership, to, to lead different, different areas and, and to really thrive, um, in, in, in that church and in my, in my life really. And, uh, so that's, that's, that's what brings me to here. And that's, that's what brings me to, to, to really spending a lot of time with you talking about, you know, doing this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's my story. Yeah, that's man. amazing. That's so amazing to watch that. Give me, you know, I have one question at the, at the end of this, right? Like what, right. You, you, you've known God grew up in church. You said from seven is kind of when you, when you got, when you got saved, right? What do you think, what do you think is different now, right? Like what is different now than growing up, right? Than, than going through all that, um, and your relationship with God and just in general, what do you think is different now than it has been the rest of your life? Yeah. Um, so before it was, it was very much, uh, I kind of checked the boxes, you know, yeah. go to church. Good. Tithe. Good. And well, I, I didn't do that a lot. Um, you know, read your Bible uh, sometimes. Right. Um, and so it was a lot of checking the box and, and the, and the salvation moment was so very real. Yeah. I was, I, I bawled my eyes out. I was in first grade, just bawling my eyes out. Um, coming to, coming to Jesus and going, you are my Lord and savior. And I accept that. Yeah. And I admit that I'm a sinner. You know, it was very real. But then from there, it, it didn't, I was already living a, a life of like, going to church and, and doing the right thing, right? So it wasn't this like Saul to Paul moment, right? Yeah. Uh, because I wasn't doing a lot of evil, so to speak. Um, but so I just kind of kept down the same path. Gotcha. So there wasn't a lot of change there. But, but here within the last few years, I was doing, I was the prodigal son. I was off doing whatever the heck I wanted to do. Yeah. And, and but still holding on to, oh, but I'm saved. I still believe in God, but I just want to do these other things. And so I think the radical change in who Hunter is, is due to the fact that I was living this way. And then I realized, wait a second, I have, I have Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I should be living like this. You know, I should be doing a 180. And I did do a 180 and started living a, a life that is closer towards what God is calling me to do. Now, I mess up a lot. You can ask my girlfriend. I mess up a lot. Yeah. But uh, I think that would be the biggest, the biggest change, really, um, is, is I was living for myself here recently and, and just made that commitment to turn my life completely around. Whereas before, it was like, well, I was already going down that path of like doing what God wanted me to do, or uh, basically checking those boxes. And uh, so, yeah. Crazy, man. Yeah. So awesome, though. Insane. So awesome. Yeah.